This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting for financial security for our seniors. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Canada becomes the first country in the world to put warning labels on individual cigarettes. And aging well and in the right place depends on knowing how much money you will need as well as having it. We have an in-depth look from the National Institute on Aging. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Artificial intelligence gets a bad rap, but when it comes to health, AI is exploring new frontiers. Scientists at McMaster University and MIT used artificial intelligence to discover a new antibiotic which could be used to fight a deadly drug-resistant bacteria that strikes vulnerable hospital patients. The potentially fatal A. Baumani has been described by the World Health Organization as one of the world's most dangerous antibiotic-resistant bacteria, and it can infect wounds and cause pneumonia and meningitis. The AI platform researchers used could speed up the discovery of different antibiotics to treat other challenging bacteria. Put implants in my uh, brain and in my back to, to learn to walk again. In other health breakthrough news, a man left paralyzed in a 2011 motorcycle accident in China now has control over his lower body thanks to a new combination of devices. Researchers in Switzerland say their implants have given the man the ability to walk through his thoughts by providing a digital bridge between the injured man's brain and spinal cord, bypassing the injured sections. This discovery allowed the 40-year-old to stand and walk with only the help of a walker, and more than a year after the implants were inserted, He's even shown signs of neurological recovery, walking with crutches, even when the implant was switched off. It's doubtful Toronto's mayoral by-election results will come in this fast, but an entire Spanish village voted in less than 30 seconds in this week's local elections. The seven registered voters of a small village beat their own previous record of 32 seconds. Re-elected incumbent Mayor Salvador Perez says residents were motivated to vote early by a sense of competitiveness with another Spanish village, which has only three registered voters. Spain's local elections are seen as a test run for parliamentary polls due at the end of the year. Twelve of the country's 17 regional parliaments and 8,000 town and city halls are being contested. You can beat the record because I was only three minutes off, so I, that's why I tried it. And I'm glad it's over. Now I can go back to normal life. <laughs> that's 96-year-old Rejean Fairhead, the Ottawa woman who set the world record for completing a five-kilometer race this week in just 
51 minutes. She demolished the category for her age group, women over 95, by almost five minutes. She says, until two years ago, the most athletic thing she'd ever done over more than nine decades of life involved bowling and horseshoes. A BC man just set the Guinness World Record for being the slowest student ever. 71-year-old Arthur Ross graduated this week from the University of British Columbia 54 years after he started his bachelor's degree in 1969. That beats the previous record of a Princeton student who took two years less. When Ross first enrolled in 1969, the U.S. had just landed a man on the moon and the Beatles were about to release Abbey Road. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's a world first that experts hope will have a huge impact. Canada will become the first country in the world to print warning labels directly on individual cigarettes as of August the 1st. They will carry messages like poison in every puff and cigarettes cause cancer. The hope is that this will deter new smokers and encourage more quitting. I reached Rob Cunningham of the Canadian Cancer Society. Canada just became the first country in the world to put warnings on individual cigarettes. Your reaction? It is a positive development. As you say, it is a, a world precedent. The health warning is going to be on every cigarette, with every puff. It's going to be there during every smoke break. Kids who may experiment are going to have the warning on the cigarette, even if they don't have the package because they borrow, quote-unquote, borrow a cigarette uh, from a friend. And it's going to take cigarette warnings to a new level. Um, you know, we've had health warnings on packages, you know, across Canada with picture health warnings since 2001. Canada was the first country to do that. We've had uh, 130 countries around the world uh, follow that Canadian precedent. I expect that many countries will follow what Canada has just announced in, t- in terms of having warnings on the cigarette itself. The location of the warning is going to be where the filter is. So it's going to be on top of the filter, what's called the tipping paper or the filter overwrap. So it will not be burned during consumption. Uh, so that's not a question. And, you know, it's going to be bilingual. It's going to be English and French. There's going to be six, six different uh, warnings. Poison in every puff is one of them. Uh, cigarettes damage your organs is another. They're going to complement the warnings that are on the package. You know, and we have uh, you know, in Canada uh, almost uh, 20 billion cigarettes sold each year. So it's a great way to reach, uh, you know, the entire country. You know, and if the United States was to do it or some other country, it would reach the entire country uh, in, in any country. Uh, so it's a, it's a tremendous uh, thing that we've been advocating for for a number of years. Tobacco companies have been opposed. They must know it's going to reduce cigarette consumption. Uh, you know, the fact that they're opposed is a signal um, that we're on the right track. Uh, and, we know, it's going to make the cigarette less attractive. Um, and, and you mean gonna, physically think, attractive? Well, I think physically attractive, but just, you know, also for youth, less of a product to consume uh, because, you know, they want to look good, you know, and, you know, cigarettes can be a bad product that says something about you. And if this has a health warning that's right on there, it's going to make, you know, it's going to make the product less attractive, you know, to be seen with, you know, in terms of others. Can you give us an idea of how much smoking rates have come down in the last, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years? Yes. 
If we go back to 1965 in Canada, uh, 50% of the population smoked, including 61% of men. The most recent data for 2021 is 12% of the population. So we've made tremendous progress. But there remain 3.8 million Canadians who smoke. Uh, there's still 46,000 Canadians who die each year uh, because of smoking. There's no reason in 2023 that we shouldn't be able to do far much more. You know, as part of a comprehensive strategy that includes taxation and regulation and programs, and and, and we just have to keep at we just have to keep at those efforts. Anything else you'd like to leave us with? Well, we have made progress, and and as we see, you know, what else remains, we can include uh, tobacco taxation in terms of it. There's more room uh, for an increase in Canada. Tobacco companies still have extensive promotion, surprisingly. Uh, you know, that can be uh, banned. You know, we should not be selling tobacco in convenience stores or gas stations. We don't sell cannabis there. That is something that we can address. Um, the story is not done yet. And, of course, tobacco companies are in bankruptcy protection. We need to ensure that provinces, any settlement that they have, is going to be uh, one that includes significant measures to reduce smoking as part of that settlement. Uh, we've This week... The Canadian Cancer Society and several other health organizations wrote to premiers urging a series of measures to be in such a settlement. And, and, and that's very important that provinces act on that. Rob Cunningham, thank you so much for being with us. Libby, thanks very much. That was Rob Cunningham of the Canadian Cancer Society. The new warning labels on individual cigarettes will be on the market by August the 1st. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, the toll of uncertainty when it comes to knowing how much money you'll need to live right in retirement. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, helping you unlock money you didn't know you had. Members-only discounts that can save you tons. Find out more at carp.ca. It's a conundrum for both the rich and the poor. Zoomers worry about outliving their money. It is the result of good news that we're living longer, but the problem is not knowing how much we will need and when. It can prevent us from enjoying our hard-earned money while we are alive. Of course, it's worse for those who don't have enough to handle rising prices and rampant inflation. The National Institute on Aging had an in-depth look at the stress of this uncertainty, and I talked with Dr. Samir Sinha. The premise that you need to have some kind of income security for a secure old age, I mean, that's a given. But uh, what did you find there that was new about this? Right now, we know that if if you don't have that stability and that security as you age, then you live with a lot of fear. You live a lot of uh, with what we call economic insecurity because you're not really sure how long your money is going to last for. For example, is it going to be enough? You know, what, what will happen? And so we want to really look at kind of those factors that really, really impact positive and healthy aging. And we really found that not only is it about having obviously enough money to to live, but it's also making sure that people can have that sense of security by knowing that they'll have enough money right until they die. How much of it is that people perhaps don't take into account certain things like what's going to happen if they become sick or disabled? 
and how are they going to be able to age in the right place as opposed to what they can afford? Are those uh, things that are commonly misperceived? Yeah, there's a huge number of misperceptions. So I think it starts with kind of the importance of good financial literacy. So it's it's helping people understand that most of us are going to make it to 65. And if you do, you're probably going to have about 22 years of life expectancy ahead of you. And the majority of those years are going to be in good health. That's the good news. But some of those years probably aren't going to be in good health. So it's just having that basic understanding so that then we can start getting in the habit to tell ourselves when we're younger that we have to start trying to save what we can to plan for a retirement that might be, you know, upwards of two decades or, or, or longer. So I think it's A, there's that misconception about how long we might actually live beyond retirement. I think the next big misperception is that most people think that, oh, well, you know, I'm contributing on my paychecks to the Canada Pension Plan. Well, that's my pension, so I'll be okay. But most people don't read the fine print, if you will, that our Canadian retirement income system that our government set up you know, provides you with the Canada Pension Plan, but that only provides you about uh, a quarter to, in future, a third of what your retirement income should be. There is an expectation that the Canadian government has that you're also going to get some funding through your workplace, through a workplace pension plan, which the majority of people don't have access to anymore, and that people are also saving privately as well. So I think when we start realizing that people, you know, may not understand how long they might live, they may not realize that they should be saving. And then, as you pointed out, do they even know what they're saving for, for example? So the idea that, yes, you know, you have to save uh, so that you have money to live on and to continue living the lifestyle you wanted. But you might also have unexpected health care costs because a lot of people don't appreciate that long-term care costs, like being bringing in private home care or maybe living in a retirement home, these are things that aren't covered. And even a lot of our long-term care services have co-payments attached to them, such as if you're living in a government-funded nursing home. So a lot of people don't know about these things, and those misperceptions, all of them together, make that financial security in retirement pretty tenuous, and it creates an inordinate amount of stress, which can then negatively impact one's health and well-being. What about government policies? Um, Here we talk a lot about mandatory RIF retirements, which means that once people reach the age of 71, they have to start taking money out of their retirement savings at a certain percentage, whether they need it or not. Uh, is yeah. that an impediment? Totally. So we, we have a lot of... Um we have a lot of kind of policies or mechanisms that I think are doing a disservice to older Canadians. You know, obviously we don't want, we like, I think the government created that policy because, you know, they felt that, you know, we should start, you know, if you're saving all this money, we should force you to spend it because that will help stimulate the economy. But at the same time, you know, if you're 65, you have 22 years of life expectancy ahead of you. You might say, look, you know, I have some other sources of income. I want to save that for now. I shouldn't be penalized and forced to take it out whether I need it or not. So that's a problem because it doesn't anticipate how long people might lead or when they might need that money as well. The other challenge we have is with our Canada Pension Plan, we have a a system that allows you to start taking your pension as early as 60 or as late as 70. What a lot of people do is they automatically say, well, I guess I should start taking it as early as I can, not fully appreciating that the longer you delay taking your CPP, if you are able to delay taking your CPP 
until 70 years of age, for example, you will have 40% more in payments than you would have if you started taking it out earlier. So if you want a really good, um, you know, stable and secure source of income that's 40% richer, all you have to do is delay your CPP payments. And that's not an option for everybody. But for the majority of Canadians, it's actually a really, really good strategy to have more income, uh, you know, for your later years. I just saw a calculation that actually it might be 42% higher. Well, there you go. You see, you just, you just sweeten the pot by 2% more. Uh, your report was also talking about using other ways, I mean, we we know about homeowners' lines of credit and everything, of using your home as some kind of uh, leverage for your income. What we're also trying to do through the National Sun Aging is we're trying to think about what are practical solutions that, you know, boomers and other people can use now. And so one of the solutions we have often is that people might be cash poor, but they might be house rich. They might be sitting on a house, for example, that's worth well over a million dollars. And, but they might not have much in the way of savings, but they want to age in their own home longer. Uh, and so this is where, you know, as you mentioned, there's things like home equity lines of credit. There's also reverse mortgages, for example. And one thing that we're working on right now, and we hope to release a paper kind of in the next year, is on this French concept of viagés, which is a very popular vehicle where people actually can sell their house but still live in it until they die. Um, and it's a way that they can actually, you know, then put that income to work for them so that they'll have enough money to actually live well and, and also have a roof over their head, their own roof over their head until they die. And that's a very popular thing they're doing in France um, that's worked out very well for many older people as well. So this is where we have to get, as you said, you know, better with our policies to really reflect the realities, but also figure out better ways so that Canadians aren't entering later life with you know, a either not enough in savings or in a more financial precarious situation. Dr. Samir Sinha, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Libby. That was geriatrician Dr. Samir Sinha, Director of Health Policy at the National Institute on Aging. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.